Masechet Nazir Daf Kaf Bet. We're in the middle of a question of when a husband annuls the Nazarite vow of his wife. Um, let's say she takes a vow, and then a few days later, 10 days later, he hears about it and nullifies it. That nullification, does it work retroactively, and she was never in Nazira? Or mi akad akad, or does it work from now on? Megaz gaiz, and just from that point on, she was a nazir for ten days, and now she is no longer a nazir. We saw three attempted proofs on the previous stuff, and now we're going to see two more. Uh, the last one will be conclusive. I think I said we're going to see three more yesterday, but actually, it's just two more. All right, Tashema. Haisha shenadra benazir vinitmet we saw this baraita already that says a woman who declared herself to be a nezira and then she became tamelamet and after she became tamelamet so at that point she did something wrong this was a problem but after that the husband heard about it and nullified her vow so um what is the consequence um now normally if she becomes tamelamet she has to bring three korbanot two of them birds one a, one a hatat and one an ola. This woman, because her husband nullified her vow, she brings only a bird as a hatat and does not need to bring a bird as an ola. Now, this is going to be strange no matter what because you have to figure out, like, is she or is she not? Why would she bring something, well, one and not the other? So, um, here's the first the proof one way. If you say that the husband only annuls it from that point of annulment and on, well then, she in fact was a nezira, she did become tamed lamet, uh, which is a problem as a nezira, and therefore she should have to bring all of her sacrifices, including both of her, both of those uh, birds, um, not only for Khatat, also for Ola. So therefore, it must be that it's retroactively annulled, and that's why she does not have to bring Ola Ta'of. Okay, so now it goes the other way. So you're saying retroactively, uh, she was never in the Zira? Then she should not have to bring a Khatat, uh, anything. She shouldn't bring, have to bring anything at all. Not uh, Ola and not the Khatat either. Why does she have to bring the Khatat? And the answer is, He says, you're right. Really, from the plain letter of the law, and majority opinion would be that she does not have to bring anything at all. But this Baraita happens to be, or could be, the opinion of Rabbi Elazar Hakapar, who says, "Detanya, Rabbi Elazar Hakapar, Omer, hata al hanafish." This is in the context of a Nazir who becomes Tamil Amet. He has to bring this, uh, this, these offerings, these two birds, <clears throat> because the person sinned on a nafish. So the word nafish in biblical Hebrew actually it just means a person, usually a person that's alive, <clears throat> but it could also mean there's a phrase, al nefesh met. Uh, it could be a dead person. So in the original Peshat of the biblical um, of the Bible, Khatala Nafish simply means that the person that this Nazir became Tameh Lamet, Tameh to a person by touching a person who was dead, a dead person. Okay. Um, but uh, in uh, later Hebrew, in Rabbinic Hebrew, the word Nefesh means uh, a soul, right? Or has to be uh, a, a person that's alive. And therefore, the question is, Meshir Khatala Nafesh, that this person uh, sinned against another, another person, another soul. Um, now, what did the person do? What did the Nazir do? He didn't harm anyone. He didn't murder anyone. He didn't take someone's soul away from them by killing them. 
So uh, in context, in, the, in using the word nafesh in the rabbinic definition, uh, this pasuk makes no sense. Who did he harm? And the answer is, he harmed himself, his own soul, by depriving himself of the enjoyment of wine. That is called a sinner. Um, because, all right, Hashem said, these things are prohibited, these things are permitted in the Torah, and that's it. The Torah is comprehensive and tells you all the good things and all the bad things. And now, this person is causing himself suffering. You're not allowed to cause yourself suffering. You can't harm your body. And, um, you know, even the person who's doing surgery has to be for health benefit. You can't just do an elective surgery because, you know, you feel like you, you can't uh, gash yourself and so on. Okay. And furthermore, the Be'elazar Kapa learns from this, a person who only deprives himself of one small thing, just wine, is called a sinner, someone who would uh, cause himself suffering from all, all things or anything else, so all the more so that person would be a sinner. In other words, fasting, taking upon himself more fasts or other kinds of deprivation is against the, the, against the, the Torah. And so, uh, as we mentioned before, the Bilazakapat probably is going against all kinds of ascetic movements that uh, cause themselves uh, to be uh, in, in poverty and um, wear a sackcloth or do all kinds of uh, self mutilation or self deprivation. All right, and so the point is here that uh, we can understand in this Badaita, in fact, both ways. It can be that it's retroactively annulled. And the reason that you have to bring a korban hatat is because you initially even thought about and did to prevent yourself from drinking wine, even though it turns out you were never a nazir, but for that time period, you weren't drinking wine. Um, and so that itself is a deprivation. It's not because you were a nazir, but rather, because you weren't a nazir, but rather you did stop yourself from drinking wine, um, even though it turns out you didn't have to, but you did. And so that's why you'd have to bring a hatat. According to the other opinion, that megaz gaiz, and so if only from now on, um, according to that, well, how come then we would have to ask, uh, how come the person doesn't bring olata off? And there, there you can uh, uh, come up with a different explanation um, that the Rishonim do, which is uh, that uh, maybe you only have to bring an olata off if you're going to continue to be uh, being a nazir. All right, this is part of the bridge program uh, that you were a nazir, you made became tamel amet, and so these three offerings both atone for what came before and set you up for what's coming in the future. But in this case, since it's uh, stops at that point, so you only have to atone for that sin of becoming Tamil Amet, but you don't have to bring Olata off to set yourself from the fu- uh, up for the future because she's no, no longer a Nazir. Therefore, this Badaita can be explained either way, and there is no proof. And now we have the fifth and final proof, Tashema de Tanya Behedya. This is actually explicit. Now you're going to wonder, if we have this explicit uh, uh, statement, why'd you wait uh, uh, all this time? And the answer, of course, is that we want to bring all the other sources. They may be relevant, they may not be relevant, and we want to go through the exercise of, uh, of further explaining them, showing how they can be explained in both ways. Right? All this is building of arguments, building of skills. 
And so if we brought the correct answer all the way at the end, then we wouldn't get a chance to do that, right? Like anyone uh, might do in a shiur. Uh, nowadays, um, you don't give the final answer right at the beginning of the shiur, right? First, you uh, bring up all the other answers, all the other possibilities, reject them, right? And that also builds up expectation and appreciation of the final answer. And you learn also lots of things along the way. So here too, Ha'isha, uh, this is also found in Etosifta. Ha'isha shenadra benazir, v'shama haberta ve'amra v'ani. If a woman makes uh, herself a vow to be a Nazir, and a friend of her, let's call that Mrs. A, uh, said, I'm a Nazir, and Mrs. B, her friend, said, And then the husband of Mrs. A, called Mr. A, um, came and he undoes that vow later on. So, Mrs. A is permitted because her vow is annulled, whereas Mrs. B is still prohibited. Oh, we can learn from here that the husband uh, severs the vow only from the time that he says the annulment and on, but not retroactively. See, if it was retroactive, then since Mrs. A was never a Nazira and Mrs. B is only pointing to Mrs. A, so if Mrs. A is no longer, then Mrs. B also would no longer be a Nazira. But that's not the case, so that means that Mrs. A was a Nazir until that certain point when she was in his, uh, um, and, uh, and she was a Nazira while Mrs. B said, I'm like her. And uh, afterwards, when um, uh, Mrs. A is, up, is stopped, that should stop from then on, but does not affect Mrs. B. So this is a, um, a final proof. In fact, if you remember, when we first asked the question, we said, what would be a practical difference? And we brought this exact case as a practical difference. So you see, we're all set up uh, from the beginning to appreciate this answer. Now, Rabbi Shimon Omer, this is still a continuation of that Braita, that just happens to add on another um, detail. Im mutarot. If the Mrs. B said, I want to be like you, Ah, so I want to be like you, and then the husband, and then the and then the uh, the husband cancels. In that case, Mrs. B also is canceled because here, I'm going to be like you, no matter what happens to you. I want the same thing to happen to me. Uh, so this is a different formulation, um, and because this says I'm going to follow you through, so that's why it's the same. All right. Okay, well, this now we're going to focus on the, uh, the, the, the main part of the Braita, not a Bishimon, just a regular case of uh, where the second one says Ba'ani, and she remains a, a, a Nizira even after Mrs. A is undone. Mozutra says that this, this Baraita that we just learned actually is a parallel case to a case that Rami Barhama once asked about. Rami Barhama asked that if a person says, He talks about some item, and he says, This, uh, this item, this uh, basket, is going to be prohibited unto me like the flesh of a Shalamim offering. Now, here's the deal with the Shalamim offering. Um, it's uh, at the point that a person set, designates an animal to be, this is this uh, lamb will be Shalamim offering, um, that becomes prohibited to him, right? Because it's holy. And it's prohibited all the way until it is slaughtered and the blood of it is sacrificed on the Mizbeach. After the blood is, is sprink- sprinkled on the Mizbeach, then the rest of the meat, 
the Kohanim take some, and then the owners can take the rest of it. Shalamim is Kodashim Kalim, which means the owners can eat it, even though they're not Kohanim, uh, but they must eat it within the precincts of Jerusalem within a certain time period. But it is permitted to them. So Shalamim has this aspect that is both uh, uh, prohibited at the beginning, but then it is permitted with restrictions at the end. So generally, when someone says, this basket will be like the flesh of Zevach Shalamim, we assume he means like the flesh at the time before its blood is sprinkled when it's prohibited. So that creates a prohibition. Okay. Now, Mami Barchama's question was as follows. If a person says that, how should we understand it precisely? This is actually an ambiguous statement. Um, and so when a person says this basket will be, will be like the, this flesh, is a person have in mind ikara, the, its state at the beginning, right now, when this is currently a, a live animal, um, and is prohibited. So I want to say that the basket is prohibited, like this animal that's consecrated. Or maybe he means the the ending pro the end of the process. Sinana literally means when it gets cold. Uh, so just like you have a hot hot dish and you wait a long time, it's going to get cold. So the idea here is that uh, does a person have in mind not the current state of this animal, but the later state after it changes, after the blood is sprinkled. And it becomes permitted. Maybe that's what a person has in mind when he says, I want this basket to be like this animal eventually, when it will be permitted. And in that case, it does not create a prohibition. Um, it's different if a person says, this uh, should be like, uh, like uh, Korban Ola. Korban Ola is prohibited all the time, forever. Right? Um, there's there's not, never any part of it that's, per, that's permitted. Um, or the flesh of it, at least, is not ne never permitted. Um, so uh, what about Shalamim? That was Rami Bar Chama's uh, question. And so now we're saying, you listen, based on this, we can answer that question. How do we answer the question? With the first case. Remember, if, um, ha, if uh, 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 Mrs. A says, Hadeni Nezira. Mrs. B said, me too. And eventually Mrs. A is annulled. What we, we say there that Mrs. Mrs. A is annulled, but Mrs. B remains in Nezira. Why? Because when she says va'ani, she's assuming the current state of Mrs. A, not the eventual later change, a change state of Mrs. A. And therefore, just like in the case of Nezira, the word va'ani says, I'm going to be like her, meaning her prohibited state now. So too, Hadad means I, this basket is prohibited. Uh, like the Shalamim as prohibited now. And there you go. We answered Rami Bar Chama's question. Isn't that fantastic? And we say, not so fast. Says, in the case of a Shalamim, it's not necessarily, it, we agree that the basket is prohibited, but it's not necessarily because he means the beginning. Even at the end, it still has a level of prohibition. Even after the blood is thrown, uh, sprinkled on the Mizbeach, Nevertheless, you can only um, uh, and uh, you, you can only eat it outside the courtyard, meaning in Jerusalem. That's true. So it's somewhat permitted, but it's still holy. You still can't eat it outside of Jerusalem. You can still can't eat it in three days from now, right? So it still has many prohibitions attached to it. You still have to eat it in a state of uh, in a state of purity, and therefore um, you see that the you see that it's 
prohibited status, although it's a different level of prohibition, is true, but it still has some prohibited status all the way through, and therefore there's no proof from there. But in this case, if you if Mrs. B has in mind Mrs. A's eventual status after it gets cold, well, after that changed status, she is totally annulled. She is not a nizida at all. Zero remnant left of her having ever of, of her nizirut. Even if you say it's from then on, right? It doesn't matter. Um, that, that at that uh, later after the after the uh, annulment, she is not in the zira at all, and so the two cases are in fact not comparable. All right, that's one uh, approach. There is another approach. Whereas another uh, school of thought says, in fact, they are parallel. Um, and uh, when the, there is a fundamental change in the zibar shalamim, uh, first it was completely prohibited. For you can, can't get zero. You can get zero benefit in any way, and afterwards, it is permitted. I mean, uh, uh, so just because there are some limitations on the, on the permission, that's not called a prohibition. And so, in fact, the cases are parallel, and uh, therefore, just like Vani uh, means of her status now and not later, so too, means its status now and not its status later. All right, good. Um, now, um, now that we mentioned uh, certain formulas, and we, we saw two in that baraita, if a person says uh, either va'ani, and then Rabbi Shimon says hareni kimotech, is a different uh, formula, and in that case, that she would follow, the whatever happened to Mrs. A would, ha- would happen to Mrs. B also. So what about the following formula? Uh, Mrs. B said, I am going to be a nezira in your footsteps. Okay. Mahu. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm following your footsteps all the way in all matters, whatever happens to you? I want, I want to happen to me. I want us, our paths to be completely parallel. I'm following right behind your footsteps all the way through. In that case, just like Mrs. A was prohibit, prohibited and then 10 days later was annulled and permitted, so too Mrs. B can do the same, will be the same status, prohibited. And then when Mrs. A gets annulled, Mrs. B also gets annulled and she's uh, no longer in the Zida. Or does her status stay the same as it was before the husband, uh, her husband annulled it? She says, I'm going to be in your footsteps, means your footsteps now. I want to be in your place as you are now. Um, but it does not continue, and uh, the husband has power to annul Mrs. Her, his own wife. But how could he that how could he annul Mrs. B? How could it have any help effect on her? Right? There's no no way for that to happen. Um, and uh, what she or at least what she means by in your footsteps means in your footsteps now. She doesn't mean eventually what might happen to you later. That's the question. So we're going to try to learn it from our Mishnah that taught. If a woman says, I'm a Nazir, and the husband heard her say that, and he said, Vani, me too, he can no longer, he cannot annul her vow. Um, Now, uh, okay, why? Uh, We think the idea is that because he is pointing to her. 
Therefore, if he would annul her vow, then his vow would also be annulled. And we know a person is not allowed to annul his own vow. If you want to annul your vow, you can, but you have to go to a third party, to a sage. can't do it yourself. And so, even though generally a husband could annul his vow, because in this case, annulling her vow will result in his own vow being annulled, that's why he can't do it. We're assuming now that that's the explanation here. Now, if you think that when uh, the wife, a wife, sa- a woman says, uh, Mrs. B says, I'll be in your footsteps, um, that it applies only to the initial uh, vow and is not does, doesn't follow in her footsteps all the way. Well, in that case, here in our Mishnah also, it should be permitted uh, for him to annul his wife's vow. And his will remain, will remain, because in that case, he's just, uh, he's, when he says va'ani, it'd be similar to, we're assuming that va'ani is similar to, um, I'm going in your footsteps. Um, and therefore, uh, when he says va'ani, he means I'm going to be like you now as you are in your initial state. And so even if he undoes her vow afterwards, um, that will not change his vow. So, um, so he should be allowed to. However, the Mishnah says that uh, the man is not allowed to annul his wife's vow, uh, in fact. Uh, so therefore, that shows that when he says vani, he means, I'm going to follow you all the way through. And since he's going to follow him all the way through, he can't annul her vow because then he would be nullifying his own vow. Um, and so, therefore, we have to conclude, uh, Rather, when a person is linking to someone else, they're linking to their entire statement, the entire uh, time of uh, time flow. So, the consequence is going to be the opposite in each of these cases, right? Because for the reason that, it's precisely because uh, the husband, because it goes all the way through, that's why the husband can't do it, because it will affect him, right? So because it will um, because it will affect the Mrs. B, it also will affect him. That's why Mrs. B can do, can is is annulled, and the man is not annulled. I'll explain first. I'll explain again. Um, so he cannot undo her vow because now we came to the conclusion that uh, when a person copies someone else, the effect continues no matter what, even after the change. Therefore, when the husband says va'ani. And then later on, he annuls uh, his wife's vow. So, because when he said va'ani, that means I'm going to follow you no matter what happens to you. When he annuls his wife's vow, then his vow would also be annulled. But he's not allowed to annul his vow. Therefore, he's not allowed to annul his wife's vow. Um, So, it doesn't work because it's a prohibited action. And um, that's why a husband cannot annul his wife's vow because, in fact, it goes, it would continue and affect him. Uh, whereas Mrs. B uh, says, I'm going to be like Mrs. A. She sees that's also assuming that I'm going to follow you no matter what happens to you. And when Mrs. A's husband annuls her vow, that affects Mrs. B as well. And so, um, you see, there's no proof from here because actually I can explain it the, uh, exactly the opposite way. And then we go back and we say, Lo no, in fact, we've been understanding this Mishnah uh, uh, all wrong. Um, and uh, the true explanation is like we've already said. We already, we already went through this uh, logic 
um, this uh, self-referential logic and then deciding that no, it's because like a ratification. We did this once already, uh, but we're doing here it again because now it's in a different context, a different discussion. Um, I think what you see here is the rabbis often had the what Greek rhetoricians say call commonplaces. They had like uh, books and textbooks of these are standard arguments that one can make in lots of different cases. Um, you apply the certain uh, methodology uh, to uh, to a case to argue this way or to argue that way. I think the rabbis are doing the same thing here. Um, this Mishnah can be understood this way or that way, and therefore we're going to try out this way, and we come to one conclusion, we'll try out the other way, and this is this will be the different conclusion. Okay, so right now, so in the end here, we're saying, no, in the Mishnah, the reason why a husband cannot annul his wife's vow after he said va'ani is because saying va'ani is like saying, I am ratifying it. She says, I'm a, I'm a nazira. He says, yeah, me too. That means he's, oh, that's a good idea. I want you to be a Nazir. So he cannot, he cannot annul it afterwards. Um, and therefore, if only if he goes to a sage and says, listen, I ratified my wife's vow, because, uh, but, but I didn't mean to. I didn't want to ratify it. Okay, then he can go and annul it after after that. But otherwise, that's why he can't annul it. Nothing to do with the, because then he would be undoing his own. In fact, maybe he wouldn't be undoing his own, right? We can easily say that in a, in a, in, in a, otherwise, he can annul his wife's vow, and he will remain a Nazir himself, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it goes all the way through. So this Mishnah has no uh, bearing uh, to answer our question. All right, last uh, point. Had any Nazir ve'at ve'amra amen meferet shela ve'shelo kayam. If a husband says, I'm a Nazir and you, uh, you know, do you want to be a Nazir too? And she says, amen, yes. Then he can annul hers and that will not re- affect his, right? Because his came first and then the, she was an add-on. Now, that's what the Mishnah said. Here's the problem. There's a Braita, also found a Tosefta, that contradicts it. Urminhu. Hareni nazir ve'at v'amra amen shenehem asurim ve'im lav shenehem mutarim v'pne shetala nidro benidra. If the same formula, a man says, Hai ayman nazir, and you, and she says, amen, both of them are prohibited. Okay, that's so far that's the same. He says, but if not, if she doesn't say amen, then both of them are permitted because he made his nazirut conditional upon hers. In other words, according to the Braita, he's saying, I'll be a nazir if you'll be a nazir, right? What do you say? And she says, amen. But that means they're both contingent upon each other. If they're both contingent, contingent upon each other and he annuls her vow, then his should be annulled as well. So we have a contradiction. The Mishnah said that they're independent of each other. He is a nazir no matter what. And she could decide if she's in or out, even if she says he's in, and he annuls it, she, he, uh, and she's no longer, but he remains. Whereas according to the Braita, they're contingent. So if she doesn't say amen, they're both not Nazirim, and that would mean that if he annulled her vow, also, he would no longer be a Nazir. What's the answer? You have to change the language of the Braita. No, not Shnehem Mutarim. Actually, um, uh, it, it means uh, it, the Braita is the same, has to be the same as the Mishnah. And if he annuls her, then he his remains. So Rav Yudah is like, sorry, this Braita doesn't make sense. And you have to change the wording. But Leave the Braita as it is. This is an authentic tradition. Braita, Hareni nazir ve'at. 
In the Braita, it's different punctuation. So, you, you know, you, this, and if it was oral, we'd hear the punctuation, right? But um, we're reading it here. Well, I don't know. The rabbis are also uh, should be uh, learning it by heart. Um, but, okay, maybe, uh, maybe someone wrote it down. There was a note about this Braita, and so they, uh, or, or there's two different ways of reading it. But anyway, if you pronounce it the right way, then you'll understand it. If you say it as a statement, if the husband says, Hareni nazir vat, I am a nazir with you, meaning only if you're a nazir, then he's making his nazirut dependent upon hers. That's what the Braita is talking about. And the Mishnah has two separate statements. Hareni nazir, period. And you, do you want to also be a Nazir? Since in the Mishnah has two different statements, that's why when he annuls hers, he remains a Nazir. Amen, amen.